A cool and wet November dawn, and there are no barking sparrows, just emptiness to dwell upon. I fell into a winter slide and ended up the kind of kid who goes down shoots too narrow, just eking out my measly pie. But I learned fast how to. Cause I know there is this side of me that wants to grab the yoke from the pilot and just fly the whole mess into the sea. Another slow train to What's happening, folks? Pete Davidson back with another edition of the Rotobomb Podcast. It's Saturday. It's getting a little late in the day. My apologies. It was a cold and wet November dawn when I woke up, uh, but I've been grinding DFS stuff all day. Uh, through that tune out there is the intro from uh, the Shins, that's Young Pilgrims. I just threw that out there because really last week I really did fly the whole thing right into the sea. Uh, in my lust to roster Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey, I got too far away from uh, Russell Wilson, and it cost me. And um, the good news is that I did that mostly after well, completely after I was done talking to you guys. So hopefully you guys didn't follow me into that ditch. Hopefully you guys sort of stuck with what I was thinking uh, when I did the podcast. Uh, you know, week nine for me was that classic example of thinking long and thinking wrong or paralysis by analysis, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but around 11.30, I started getting ideas. <laughs> by 12.30, I'd fucked my lineups up. And by about 1.30, I realized what I'd done. It was just one of those days. Anyway, uh, luckily, uh, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't dip too far into my bankroll. So the, the damage was limited in its scope, if you will. Uh, but really, um, I, I mean, I, uh, in terms of what I put out there, I lost pretty much, gosh, like 90%, you know, across platforms. Anyway. Uh, onward and upward. We're not going to fly the whole mess into the sea this week, or at least we're going to try not to. We're going to try not to. Um, so the deal with this week so far for me is, and I, I've been through this uh, a couple times with, with you all, and I'm just going to just, and this is going to sort of sound like excuse making, but I, I hope you guys take it for what it's intended to be, which is just sort of me being honest. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not a, a DFS rainmaker, and I've I've never positioned myself as such. Uh, for me, a lot of my player calls tend to work. Uh, I'm still a learner, like a lot of you folks, in terms of you know how I want to play the field, how I want to construct lineups, uh, you know how to play one week different from the next. I mean, I have ideas. Um, I feel like I'm getting better pretty much every slate I play, um, and even though I've been doing this for years now. You know, this is a limited game. You get 17 slates a year, uh, and not every single one of them you're prepared for, you know, up to the gills. Some of them you sort of have to rush. Um, you know, so, so DFS football is something where I'm, I have some confidence in what I'm doing. But by the same token, you know, I'm still probably like a lot of you guys, where I still have my eyes on the prize. I'm still trying to do things I haven't done yet. Um, so, you know, I, hopefully you guys all take that um, in the vein that it was offered. But... Um, you know, I'm somebody who's still fixated on a spot on the horizon that I want to get to. Uh, and, you know, in a ways, it's a great thing because it's the thing about DFS that's different from every other type of fantasy football I play. Um, 
you know, I, I still feel like I've got some ground to cover in this area of the game, and it, it invigorates me. It, it, it challenges me, and I like that. Um, and ho- hopefully you guys are in, in a similar place. Uh, I, I just find that DFS, there's so many things about it that I like. What, you know, it's sort of a pure game in that nobody can sort of box me out. Um, nobody's playing against me. It's sort of like golf in that sense. Um, and, you know, the, the difference between DFS and golf is like in golf you can go like 20 over par or worse. And if you hit one great shot, you can sit there in the 19th hole and wax poetic about that one shot. You know, you try to do that in DFS, you just look like a jackass. I mean, you really have to put it all together. Um, you know, and that's that's what I'm trying to do. And and, and hopefully that's where you guys are at too. Um, maybe some of you guys are more advanced players and you just sort of come here for a couple ideas on guys who are going to have good weeks. And, and, you know, God bless you guys for doing that. I, I, I appreciate the faith, sincerely. Um, and this is going to be a long pod. So there, you, that, there goes the wind-up. We're not going to spend too much time uh, talking about stuff. As always, uh, for those of you who have a moment of free time, if you can drop uh, a review on the pod and a rating, uh, I, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, but let's get to the slate, because what I'm going to do here is pretty much walk the 10-game main slate, uh, give you guys my thoughts. I've got about 50 players in total um, that I'm going to bring up here. Um, and, you know, hopefully for me, um, as you know, as is always the case, um, between now and lineup lock, my job is going to be trying to reduce my field more. Obviously, I've cut it down to 50. That's a lot of players we've removed, I'd like to get this thing, I'd like to chop another 10 to 20 players off, so I'm working with a fairly, a fairly fine uh, group. So anyway, let's, uh, I'm going to go through, through these things in order, we're going to start with the early games, uh, we'll end up with uh, the Rams and the Steelers, but uh, first game on the docket here is the Lions and the Bears, and you know, not a game that I'm, well, I don't think anybody's really thrilled with this game, I mean, on the Lions side, I'm not really looking at anybody but Gallaudet at 7K and Jones at 62. Uh, and I can't say that I'm, you know, I, I don't know how much exposure I'm going to have to either one of those guys, but they're clearly on my list. Uh, and they're not guys who are going to come off the list. Um, on the other side, and I think more likely to find his way into my lineups, is probably Montgomery at 5,300 units. His workload is established now. Um, it's funny, when I wrote this um, up, for myself, I mean, I write up sort of a cheat sheet for myself every week, which I don't publish. Um, and I've thought about like just sort of giving this thing to you guys as well. The only thing is like this is a lot of note taking for me, and you know, to go back and like correct all the grammar errors and to make some, you know, like I have my own personal shorthand that I use. I would have to sort of elongate that, and then the thing changes. So I, I've thought about putting this on the site and just sort of letting you guys have at it for what you can, you know, for what worth you can find from it. I don't know, but it, it's sort of like it's a personal thing. Like my, my the lineup rankings on Rotobon are loose enough. I know there's tons of typos in there because I don't generally spend much time going back and correcting it because I'm just so jammed trying to get the thing up in time. Um, you'll see grammar corrections sometimes on the Saturday um, update when I have the time. Uh, but when it comes to my cheat sheet, a lot of the stuff is handwritten, so I'd have to go back and uh, change some of my notes and um, you know, but. I don't know, at some point maybe I'll throw it out there and if you guys are like, oh, this is great, then maybe I'll start putting it out there every week. Um, I'd have to probably come up with an extra 45 minutes to an hour just to clean the thing up a bit. But anyway, I said I wasn't going to ramble and there I am, rambling. Um, 
the point I was starting to make when I when I started up my cheat sheet, what I wrote was Davis's role has evaporated, uh, and Tariq is struggling uh, within the scheme. Um, obviously, since I wrote that, Davis is now more he's literally evaporated. He's no longer on the team. Uh, so unless Kareth White is suddenly going to have a role, which I doubt, uh, Montgomery really looks locked in to a lion's share of the uh, the touches at 5,300 units against a, a Lions team that can be had. Uh, by running back. So uh, I think Montgomery's certainly in the mix uh, for for my primary build, certainly for, for, I think he will be in a lot of people's primary builds. And then the other guy in this game that I'm looking at, uh, pretty seriously, even though he, he, you know, it's funny, he let me down last week, but since his points came at, towards the end of the game, I didn't hate him as much because at least he sort of got me, I think he got me like nine points and change, but he was looking like a bagel for a while, uh, talking about Doug Gabriel. And, and, and look, the thing with Gabriel is, you know, for a while we were looking at that three touchdown game going, okay, don't chase. But that's been a while now. He's sort of due for one of his big games and he's cheap enough to take a chance on. Um, and again, you know, the thing I like about Gabriel, the reason I occasionally go to him in GPPs, is because Trubisky's limitations hurt Gabriel less than all of the other receivers because he, he almost everything he gets, well, a very good portion of what he gets are schemed passes, not progressions, you know. So, you know, I think that's, normally I don't put a lot of stock in that in terms of it being a valuable thing. Uh, but when you're talking about Trubisky, it is. Um, anyway, let's get to the next game, um, uh, Ravens at Bengals. Now, interesting game here because um, everything's on one side for me. Like, I'm not interested in stacking this game because there's nothing I like on the Bengals side to come back with. The running backs don't get enough juice. Um, and really, I don't I, I don't want to count on any of their pass catchers here against the Ravens. I just don't. So uh, certainly somebody's going to shake free in this game. The Bengals aren't going to put up zero yards. I'm just not going to bet on where it's going to come from, uh, even though the prices are pretty depressed. On the other side, Lamar, I think, is my cash quarterback unless something changes. Um, and he's certainly a viable GPP play as well. The obvious concern here is that it's such a smash. Uh, you know, if Lamar happened to get a few touchdowns to sources that don't help us early, they would slow him down on the running side. Uh, you know, th there are ways this thing goes wrong for us. But I think if you look at it, most of the time here, it's going to be a smash, and Lamar's get, Lamar gets so much of what goes on with this team. Unless he hands it off to someone else, it's him. Um, so I feel pretty confident using him, and uh, he'll be my cash guy. Uh, Ingram at 7,100. Love Ingram as a play, but this could be such a blowout. They could go to Gus at some point, and that could be problematic doubly so when we have to pay up to Ingram. I, I mean, I can't remember Ingram being this high at 71. So, you know, DraftKings has been doing this this to us all year. You get these guys where they'd be tempting, and then you look, you know, DraftKings is sitting there, like, daring you to pay up to Ingram, and, yeah, i got to be honest, I'm calling their bluff. I'm not going to do it. Um, or I guess they call it nine bluff. I don't know. Uh, Hollywood is there at 5,100 units. I, I can see it as a GPP option. Uh, he's not trustworthy in cash uh, uh, on any level. Uh, and that pretty much ends my interest with this game. Andrews uh, at tight end hasn't uh, just, he hasn't been consistent enough in terms of his diet for me to really buy into him. Um, maybe if the Bengals could fight back in this game, make it interesting, if I felt good about the odds of that happening, maybe then I would toy around with that, but I don't, so I won't. Um, 
so let's move down. Oh, and you know what? Let's let's bring up you know Baltimore D four K. Certainly the best play of the week, but I don't know if I can pay four K for a defense uh, on a week where I'm desperately trying to get so many of these great plays in. Uh, so you know, I think paying up four K for the Ravens is a loser unless they just happen to go bonkers. Um, let's drop down to the Bills and the Browns. Uh, Singletary at 5K. I definitely think in GPPs you could make a good argument for him. Uh, using him in cash with you know his 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 touches being so low, I think it's just too thin. Um, Cole Beasley at 4,100 units is the other bill that I'm sort of looking at. Um, I'm not looking at Brown just because you know the the John Brown because the Browns corners are talented. He's a little bit up. Uh, a little bit price heavy. Uh, his quarterback is not particularly accurate, so I just don't. I feel like he's thin at his price. Whereas Beasley at forty one, uh, he can rack up some some you know lower um, range targets. I think he's a, a better better odds for him to pay off at forty one as a cost saver. Uh, and I got to be honest, I'm not currently. I don't have any Beasley either, but I think he's. He's a club in my bag if I need him. Um, on the other side of that game, Chubb at 7K, I think, is probably a pretty sharp play. If you've got the guts, obviously, on DraftKings, he's not a big uh, PPR guy. So you need him to go off. You need him to score. Uh, and the Bills are a reasonably good defense. You know, Vegas only has the Browns at 21-2-5. So, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't make Chubb like a mainstay this week, but I definitely want some exposure to him in tournaments. Uh, and I think Landry at 49 is in the discussion uh, if, if ownership rates matter, I don't think he'll be chalky at all. Um, so, you know, that, that, that's about where I'm at on this game. They're talking about volume for Odell Beckham, but I'm not, I'm not going to get involved, uh, against Tredavious White. Uh, and I think both of the defenses in this game, the Bills at 2,900 and the Browns at 2,500, given the quarterbacks that we're dealing with here, uh, the way Mayfield's playing and the fact that Allen is generally turnover prone, uh, these are defenses you could go after. Uh, obviously, you save a significant amount off of uh, um, you know the Ravens. Um, moving down to Kansas City and the Titans. Um, uh, to start with, I think both teams' defenses are in play here. The Titans, because you can go all the way down to 2K, and you're getting a defense that is reasonably talented. Uh, they'll probably find a way to turn the Chiefs over once. They'll probably find a way to sack Mahomes a couple times. If you get real lucky, uh, they are the kind of team that can get a strip sack touchdown. So um, I don't think the Titans are a great play, but at 2K on a week like this, there are many reasons why you may opt to use the Titans. Uh, on the other side, I think with the Titans uh, potentially trailing in this game, uh, you know, I think the Chiefs at 2,700 make some sense. Um, but obviously it's the offensive pieces in this game that we want to talk about the most. Uh, Mahomes at 7K is in play. I think Tannehill on the other side at 5,100, if you want to be bold, um, is in play. Um, you know, Tyreek Hill at 7,700. Uh, you know, I, I definitely 100% in play. I'm not sure if I'm going there or not. Uh, he was a guy who helped me last week, although it didn't help me enough, obviously. Um, the nature of the Titans' defense is such that they may opt to try to take Hill away. Wouldn't surprise me. There's Belichick influence. Um, so I, I, I think... Be careful with exposure rates on Hill because there's, I think there's a temptation to go after him this week because he's not particularly expensive. Uh, I like some exposure, certainly with Mahomes stacks and things like that, maybe a correlation against a Tannehill uh, lineup or something. 
but I don't I don't think I'm going to have Tariq Hill in like 50% of my lineups or something like that. Not this week. Um, Kelsey at 6,700. The tough part is finding the money, uh, but I like the play. Uh, Damian Williams at 4,900. Now let's talk about this. Since McCoy's, uh, what was it? It was week eight fumble, I believe. Um, Williams has handled the bulk of the backfield work. Um, he's had over 20 touches. Shady's had just a handful. Um, you know, it's really swung more than I ever thought it would, be, to be honest. I mean, you guys remember the, the little 10-minute podcast I did saying Damian Williams is still a, a player to roster. Um, you know, I felt he would be the guy who gets the most touches. I didn't think it would be 21-4. to 4. I also didn't think Andy Reid would be so quick to go away from McCoy. The only thing I can think of is that Reid asked Shady, for better ball control because Shady's a guy who lets the ball get away from his body. He does it intentionally. He likes to palm the ball with one hand and sort of carry it like a purse. Uh, he's known for this, obviously. We've all seen him do it. Now, it's possible Reed said, you got to lose that stuff around me. I don't want you doing that. And then he went out, fumbled the ball, and Reed's trying to make a point. So a couple things there. Um, a, it means that even though Shady's a veteran, Reed sees him sort of for what he is, which is sort of an undisciplined player. The other side of the coin is this. If it's, I'm going to put you in the Chateau Bow Wow, when you do something like that, usually people make their way out of that doghouse eventually. So I think we do have to be wary that this, the way the touches have skewed in like the game and a half since the fumble, I think we need to look at that and say, wait a minute, what if he takes McCoy randomly out of the doghouse? So I think, you know, I'm tempted just to sort of like cut to the chase here. I'm tempted to go heavy on Damian this week because I think I like the matchup and I think he can make some big plays. The reason I'm going to limit the exposure probably to 15, 20% of my lineups is because I still think there's a good, solid, random chance that McCoy's touches come back up, that Reed has made his point and now he's going to see if Shady sort of took the point, if you see what I'm saying. Um, so I'm not... You know, that's nickel psychology. There's a lot of narrative stuff in there, but I'm just not sold on the short sample. I'm going to wait a little bit more and really see if Williams has this uh, before I lean in hard. Having said that, once we realize that, he's not going to be 4,900 anymore. So I do think, you know, some limited GPP exposure this week, particularly if you're stacking with Mahomes, I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, On the other side, Tannehill at 5,100. If they get into a chase game here, he's going to pay off at 5,100. So if you think, if your thing is, I think they're going to go heavy with Derrick Henry and it's going to fail, it's not going to work, they're going to fall behind, well, the odds on Tannehill paying off in that scenario, I think, are pretty good. Um, you know, whether you want to try it in cash, whether you want to build sort of a, a GPP stack with him, uh, I'm probably more in line with the GPP thing there. Um, but, like, the idea of taking Hannah, Tannehill, cheap, with A.J. Brown, cheap, who Johnu Smith, cheap, taking those three players, putting them together, hoping that stack hits, and using that to get all these other high-cost guys in there with the exception of, like, Lamar Jackson and Mahomes, you know, that's, I mean, there's a really good chance that's just going to go belly up on you, but if it doesn't, if the stack were to hit, you know, probably a 30% chance, you're in the game. So in a GPP, I can see why somebody would do that. i got to be honest. I think there's about a 50% chance that I give it one whirl. Uh, I'm watching my money this week, but I I may just have to give that a try. Um, And then, you know, Derrick Henry is another thing. So maybe one way, again, if you're a person who likes to put together a handful of lineups or maybe 10, 15, 20 tournament lineups, 
you could do a Henry lineup and then sort of to hedge it, do a Tannehill, AJ, Janu lineup. You could sort of play both ends of the game flow. I don't know. It's a thought. Um, let me see here. Anything else we want to say as far as this game goes? Yeah, you know, it's it, well. Obviously, it, I'm assuming you guys know this, but Corey Davis is doubtful, basically out. Delaney Walker is out. That's why I'm willing to roll with the Janu thing, even though he crapped out on us last week. Um, Malcolm Butler's on IR. Okay, um, so that's something that's worth mentioning on the Chiefs side. Uh, it does make a Tyreek Hill a little bit more enticing because breakdowns probably are more likely when they go to secondary players. Um, so that's something that's worth mentioning. Um, let's move down to Atlanta because we're already at 20 minutes. So um, let me see. We're yeah less than halfway through, uh, and I, I really want to make sure we get this thing in under an hour. So moving quickly over to Falcons at Saints. Um, I think the Saints D in this game is uh, looking pretty good. Uh, you know, I... It's 3700 so, you know, if I pay up that high, now I'm looking at the Ravens and saying, well, gosh, maybe I should find $300 more. Um, I think with this week, this year's, excuse me, this week's roster construction, I think I'd actually rather pay 3700 for the Saints. Not because, I mean, in a vacuum, I'd rather have the Ravens at four, but the constraints that are on me this week to find ways to get guys into my lineups, I think I'd rather take the Saints. That said, I doubt I'm going to be able to afford either one. Um, I'm looking down at like the Carolinas and the Pittsburghs of the world, to be honest. Um, and did uh, did we? Yeah. Um, so, you know, Ryan at 6,100, I think, in this game, some people are going to be tempted. I... I'm just not feeling it against this defense. And, uh, you know, Julio at 7,500, also definitely a reasonable play. I mean, Julio at 75, that's just, you don't, he doesn't get much cheaper. Um, you know, so both of those plays are reasonable. Hooper at 55, I'm not touching with a 10-foot pole. I know the Saints haven't been as tough as normal on tight ends. I'm just not doing it. Um, Ridley at 5,400 is probably the thing in this game that I'm most likely to use because I think his touchdown upside is there. Uh, I think he should have the better matchup most of the time, and I can afford it. I can afford 5400. Uh, so you know Ridley's definitely going to be not not because I you know have him on my short list so much as I think I like him this week and I can afford him. Um, on the other side, Breeze at 6700. I I don't think I'm going to do it but it's viable. I, I'm very concerned that this is going to turn into a ground game for the Saints. So much so that Breeze may... Breeze could win this game thrown 22 times. Um, I'm not saying he will, but he could. Uh, so it scares me a little bit to, to make him my quarterback. Um, in tournament play, sure. In cash, no way. Um, Michael Thompson, 83, on the other hand, even if they go to the run, when they leave the run, it'll be for him. Uh, so I'm fine with Michael Thomas at 8,300. Atlanta has nobody who can cover him. Very few teams have anybody who can slow him down. Um, now, Lat Murray, I can't trust his workload enough. I'm not going there. Kamara at 8,200. No, not coming off a high ankle sprain in a week where why would they want to use him more than they have to? You know, so this game is tough because the side I want to be on is the Saints side. And there's too many ways for me to not be able to predict how this thing's going to work. Between game flow and Kamara's injury, eh, nah, I'm not going to be doing it. I am going to be looking at Michael Thomas 
in just about every way, shape, and form. Apart from that, I'm really not on the Saints. Um, so to sum this game up, I think Julio is viable if you can find the money. My problem is there are guys I like more in that money range. Um, and then, so it really comes down to me in this game, if I'm going to be using guys, it's probably going to be Ridley and Michael Thomas. Um, moving down to the Giants and the Jets, and boy, isn't this just, <laughs> it's such a great example of, you know, fantasy and reality are nothing alike uh, when it comes to football, because in real life, this game is completely uninteresting. Uh, you have two shit organizations about to go out and play a shit football game in front of disinterested fans. Um, <laughs> it's just terrible. And you know, the Giants and Jets, they get to play like what? Once every four years or something, right? And this is what they get? This is what they give the New York fans? I mean, both organizations, just they should be wholly ashamed of themselves. But uh, the beauty of it, I suppose, is that, I mean, well, for me, <laughs> for DFS, is that I can get involved in this game. So at least watching it won't be, you know, the, the levels of boredom that it would be if I didn't get involved on a DFS level. Um, there are a lot of pieces in this game that are sellable or buyable, you know. Um, Saquon at 88, you know, I think in any lineup where I can't jam McCaffrey in, I might just drop. I might just drop down to Saquon at 88 because I'm having trouble figuring out how he doesn't light the Jets up. Uh, I think I'm going back to Thursday now when I wrote the lineup rankings, and I don't have them in front of me. But I think I said something to the effect of, "Yeah, he'll probably get stuffed like 10 times in this game, but on the other 10 touches, he'll be, you know, messing the Jets up pretty damn good." Uh, and and the big thing is this: I think he's going to get 20 plus touches, and I think. Two to three of them are going to be monsters. He's going to make a few huge plays on the Jets. Because when the Jets break down, they break down all the fucking way. So, you know, Saquon to me is a guy I want in roster this week. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough because there are a bunch of other guys that I want that are all high cost. But I think while everybody's chasing McCaffrey and Michael Thomas and the Bucks receivers and all that stuff... I think they might be forgetting about Barkley in a game against the Jets uh, and Barkley in a game where Ingram's out, Shepard's out. They're, I mean, how do they not just feed him the ball a ton? I, I, I'm missing it. Granted, it's Shermer and he does a lot of stupid shit, but it's generally not with workload. It's generally with play design. And against the Jets, man, if you can't figure out the right way to design plays against the Jets, God help you. Seriously, God help you. So... I'm going to take Saquon very seriously. I'm going to take Red Ellison at the tight end floor very seriously. I'm going to take Golden Tate at 5,900 units extremely seriously because where are they throwing the ball? Slayton? I think they'll take shots at Slayton. I think Slayton's a good start at 5,200 units. He's on my sheet, but Slayton's not a volume weapon. You can't throw at Slayton 15 times. They need a place to go with the football this week. Saquon will handle a bunch, but he can't, you know, this is a lost season. They're not going to give Saquon the ball 30 times, I don't think. Right? And Ellison, I, I like Ellison at 2,500 units, but that's hope, hoping that he gets five touches and pays off for me at the cost floor. I'm not expecting volume. So, you know, to me, I look at Tate, and if he gets less than 10 targets, I'd be shocked. On the other side, he could he could get a lot more. Like, he could approach the mid-teens and targets. So 
again, when you look at this game. And here's the other thing about this game. Tap the mic, my bad. The Jets, as bad as they are, this is the Giants, man. And the Jets are at home. Like, I mean, would anybody be shocked if the Jets scored a few times in the first half? A long one to Robbie, a nice attritional drive, you know, they're hitting they're hitting Crowder all over the place. They're you know getting a couple runs. Maybe Herndon is active and he's making plays. I mean, the idea that the Jets could have a decent offensive game here. I, I mean, even Vegas with everything that's gone wrong with the Jets, even Vegas has them at twenty one points. So there are scenarios here, and if I'm right, well, you know, forget me. If Vegas is right and the Jets can score twenty points in this game then Golden Tate is, a, I think, a bet to maybe go off. Um, now, it's the Giants. It's Pat Shermer. Are we going to throw, like, 70% Golden Tate lineups? No. No fucking way. Because Shermer is... He's like the opposite of a mad scientist. He's a boring scientist. And, you know, it's possible that he comes up with a, a lineup that's too vanilla to succeed against the Jet aggression. I mean, the Jets are aggression on a, on a stupid level, right? So these, these teams are both a little too fucked up to lean on them too hard. But I'm definitely going to be taking some of these pieces. I'm going to have some Crowder teams. I'm still going to have some Robbie teams at 4,700. And I'm going to have some Saquon teams. I'm going to have Ellison in a lot of lineups. And I think Golden Tate is going to be a guy... He'll, he'll probably be my third or fourth most played receiver this week. Maybe fourth or fifth, something like that. And Slayton, I think, maybe here's a better way to put it. I think most of my lineups this week will have either Tate or Slayton, for what it's worth. You know, I think 80% exposure to one or the other, if that makes any sense. Um, okay, I don't want to talk any more about New York football. It's just so awful. Let's take a gander at, you know, what I think is the plum game on the slate. It's a one o'clock game, which I suppose makes it, you know, a little bit more interesting. Um, this is Arizona at Tampa Bay. Now, there's a couple things I want to hit in this game. Christian Kirk, well, let's start with Christian Kirk, who's one of my favorite plays. But here's one thing I think we need to talk about when it comes to Christian Kirk. He played... Like, four out of five snaps last week outside. Now, it could have been because they had some injuries. They were looking for someone who could do it. But if that holds this week, we could get burned on Kirk. So, I, as much as I have Kirk as one of my plays, and I'm going to be using him as a correlation piece when I use the Tampa Bay team as my primary source. Like, if I'm stacking, if it's a Jameis stack, or if I'm using Rojo and one of those Tampa receivers, I'm going to want a correlation piece in that lineup. It will be... Kirk, but you know, using Kirk as a, a just sort of as a, as a chip throughout most of my lineups, I'm starting to lean away from that. Uh, I'll have some exposure, but it's not, you know, early in the week I was thinking I'm going to be really heavy on Kirk, uh, but after going through Silva stuff and reading the matchups, and uh, according to Silva, it was 82 percent that he was outside last week. I mean, I noticed he was outside more often than normal. I didn't realize it was that high, so. You know, again, it could be a one-week thing. I don't want to overreact to it. He's still in the slot 18% of the time. He'll get opportunity in there. Uh, but it's going to keep me from going overboard. And maybe that's a good thing. We'll see. Uh, you know, David Johnson, 5,700 units. He's missed a lot of time. It's hard to know what degree he's going to participate at. And then Drake's at 5,200 units. 
I don't know. I'm not. You'd have to be doing a lot of lineups to to get into those guys for me. Uh, and I'm not. I'm not a big, you know, multiple lineup guy. Uh, on the other side, I think Winston. Awful lot of money to play Jameis Winston, but he's a good play. I will. I will have some stacks with him. Not going there in cash. Uh, Rojo at 4,300 4, is going to be in a lot of lineups for me this week. A, because I think he's explosive in a game where that explosivity could really pay off. But B, it's just because of what uh, he allows me to do. It's just a, libera- a liberating cost. A, a, a good RB play at 4,300 units. I mean, yeah, I could pay up for some better ones if I wanted to spend another 1 to 2K. Uh, but... This is a week where that 1-2K to is really valuable. So I'm definitely going to mess around with some Rojo lineups. I'm not sure exactly how many. Um, And then, obviously, we've got Evans and Godwin. Um, Personally, I'm looking at Godwin this week. I think the slot role will be helpful. Uh, Granted, I thought it would be last week, and it wasn't. But that's where I'm going. Um, I'm going to have more uh, Godwin than Evans. But here's the, the more interesting thing. I'm probably going to have less Godwins and Evans combined Less Evans and less Godwin than most because, and I'm so sorry I'm doing this to you guys, but I'm going to play O.J. Howard this week in GPPs because at 3,300 units, best matchup of the year, everybody's sitting there deciding between Evans and Godwin, Godwins and Evans. What if the answer is neither? What if the answer is O.J. freaking Howard? He's practicing fully. The coach has told him what he needs from him at this point, I think. This is a big week for OJ. Now, how much OJ exposure am I willing to take? Not a ton. It's probably going to be within these team stacks. Uh, it'll be in some, some, some GPP teams, places where I'm willing to take that chance. You can combine him as an upside play and a pay down. He's pretty cheap at 3300 So there's some ways you can go about doing it. Uh, so definitely don't go in with both feet on O.J. Howard unless you just love playing with fire. There is a lot of upside in it. Um, you know, but I think it's a one in three that he hits. So, you know, look at it in those terms. Uh, so that pretty much handles that game for me. I'm not looking at either defense. You could consider the Tampa Bay defense. You could consider the Cardinals defense, I suppose. I'm really not in this game for defense. Um, so now let's get to the 4 o'clock games. Uh, the first 4 p.m. game that I want to get into is Dolphins at Colts. Uh, obviously, Dolphins coming off that big win. Um, the guy everybody seems to want to talk about in this game, uh, I'm just sort of sticking my finger up in the air and feeling the wind blow here, but uh, Gusecki at 3,100 units. Now, uh, I was talking about this on Twitter earlier in the day. I I actually plan on playing Gusecki a little bit, so I'm not I'm not off him or anything like that. I just feel like... People are leaning in on a guy who hasn't had a good game yet. I mean, this guy's played eight games, hasn't had a good one, unless you, you know, unless in DraftKings terms you think that, uh, you know, like six for 95 or whatever he did last week is something, you know, that's going to win you a tournament. It's not, you know. We need this guy to be, we need him to have a reasonably good chance at scoring a touchdown. We need him to have a reasonably good chance uh, at putting up, you know, over 100 yards or racking up um, some serious catches you know his best yardage total was last week his best catch total was last week and he's never scored so you know all that said 
if we look at the trend, there are reasons to believe that Gusecki will continue his new level of usage. This is a great matchup for tight ends. Uh, you know, the Colts tend to give up tight end production. So uh, I definitely see the reasons to use Gusecki. But in that he's never hit for ceiling all year, I'm not about to go like 60% on him hitting it this week. You know what I'm saying? So he's going to be one of the tight ends I use, but I'm not using him over, you know, everybody else or anything like that. Um, so that's where I'm at on Gusecki. I mean, I do think he's a decent play. I'm just like, it feels like the whole world wants to play him, and I just don't get that. You know, I'm not like pushing other guys out of the way to get Gusecki in my lineup. Not at all. Um, in fact, when I look at this team, I you know, Parker at 48 feels like that might be a, a better play. He's more of a touchdown guy. And if I really wanted to go down, you know, to 3K to create roster space, maybe do it at receiver with Hearns. You know, I think Hearns has a bigger ceiling than Gusecki. Now, he probably has a weaker floor. That's fair. Um, I'm just saying, yeah, I, I think there's more ways this thing can go than I think people realize. And, you know, when you look at the way the Colts like to play defense, one guy we might think about is Albert Wilson. Now, Wilson hasn't done a thing this year, and for the same reasons you wouldn't go all in on Gasecki, you wouldn't want to go in all in on Albert Wilson. It's too thin. But the Colts generally tend to keep the play in front of them. A guy like Albert Wilson... Get him the ball underneath the defense, see if he can break a tackle, because they have been more undisciplined this year. Like what unlike last year, if you can get if you can get a broken tackle against the Colts this year, you can pick up yardage. Last year they were swarming. Even when you broke a tackle, you were only picking up another yard or two. Um, that's just my perception, but you know, for what it's worth. The other thing about this game, I think Colts D at 35K, uh, excuse me, 3.5K at home against the turnover machine that is Fitzmagic, you know, there's some merit there. But again, 35 is a high number this week. Um, now, on the Colts side, there's a lot of ways we can go, but the two guys I'm most focused on for 100% sure here is Pascal at 5,300, who I think is a guy you can play in cash and a guy you could take a couple flyers on in tournaments. I think the problem with him is that the ceiling just isn't that high. I think inordinate things would have to go down uh, for him to like hit for 30-plus or something like that. But I think him hitting for, say, 16-plus is a good bet. Um, but the guy I really want in this game is Mac. Now, of course, DK, in their, <laughs> in their 2019 bitchiness, has you know, priced Mac up, even though he goes against their scoring system, and even though he hasn't done anything recently, right? Um, but he's at 7K. He'll probably only catch one or two balls. So he needs to go over 100, and he needs to score for this to work. But I think there's a really good chance on him going over 100, catching two balls, and scoring a touchdown. Um, so what does that give us? That gives us 100, 13, 19, 20, you know, that puts us in the low 20s if everything hits at its lowest level. Um, you know, and certainly Mac has the chance to go for more than just 100, has a chance to catch more than one or two balls, and certainly has a, a chance to score more than once in a game like this. So to me, Mac is a, is a guy who could be a core piece in my lineup. The obvious problem is that I'm trying to get in a cost-saving running back. I'm trying to get in McCaffrey. Uh, I, you know, how much Mac I'm going to be able to get in is going to be a question, but I want to do it. It's He's definitely a guy who is going to be on the final short list in terms of guys I want to get in my lineup. Um, do we hit everything in this game? Yeah, that's, that's pretty much everything I want to talk about in this game. I mean, you can get into the Colts' tight ends, but I, I don't really want to go there. Um, you know, I mean, you know, Doyle's at 36. It's just not enough of a savings. And Ebron at 39. Again, I, I just don't see the upside for the savings. Um, 
and you know, I'm, and again, I'm trying to not talk about guys not on the list here, but sometimes you just want to throw it out. I mean, if I spent this podcast arguing against every play I'm not making, we'd be here for five hours. Um, okay, so let's drop down. And actually, we're, we're doing okay on time here. We're going to get out of here okay. Um, let's go to the Panthers and the Packers. Um, this is an interesting game. If the Packers can really run here, uh, I, I think the the other side turns into an interesting play. I mean, I don't really like Allen at quarterback as much as a lot of people do. Uh, but if Jair Alexander doesn't play, I think you could make an argument for some Panther stacks. You know, take your chance on one of their receivers. Uh, I think DJ Moore is probably the safer one, but you save more money with Samuel. Um, you know, if Samuel hits, he could hit big. But McCaffrey, Allen, and one of the receivers. I could see that. I don't know if I'm going to do it, but I could see it. Um, but what I really like to do in this game is just take some pieces. Um, you know, for me, um, you know, I just, I, I'm not going to be buying into the Packers coming off of last week. You know, I think this is a run to win matchup for them, and I'm going to sort of look at it that way. Um, so the pieces I like here, Aaron Jones, a little too pricey for me, pricey for me at 74, but I think he'll have a good game. Uh, but McCaff, it's really mostly on the Panthers side. McCaffrey, I may put in every single lineup. Moore and Samuel, I think, are both uh, exceedingly viable um, this week. It's worth mentioning, uh, if I forgot to, that Bradbury's not in the game. So, you know, if you wanted to take a look at maybe being contrarian and playing Devante at his 6900 nice price, uh, you, you could do it. You know, if Bradbury's not active, you could do it. I, I could see it. The, pro, the, the I just wouldn't. I don't think I'd stack him with Rodgers in this game. That's I guess that's sort of the problem I'm having. Um, as far as defenses go in this game, um, you know I think the Panther side is viable just because they're low priced. Uh, probably not going to go there. I, I think I'm more likely to go to Pittsburgh at 2600. So let's drop down to that game. Um, in this one, I'm not going to play Gurley. I'm really not looking to play any pieces from the Rams that I think are going to require, you know, the Rams playing really well for them to hit. Uh, I think I'm more on Cooper Cup if I'm going to take a receiver from there. 73 is a little pricey for Cup this week, so I'm probably not going to have a lot of exposure. But if I'm going somewhere on the Rams, it's probably Cup. Uh, Everett, a lot of people are on him because of the matchup. I don't know. I just don't trust him. And that's a 4,500 is a high number for a tight end this week. Uh, you know, if I'm going to pay that, I think I'd rather find a way to try to keep paying up and get to somebody I really, really like. Um, and then on the Pittsburgh side of the ball, ah, man, there's really nothing I trust except Jalen Samuels. And it's really because of the full PPR thing. Uh, obviously the guy caught like a gazillion passes last week. There are no healthy running backs. Um, on this team, even the backup is a guy who fought through injuries all week. So uh, Samuels is locked in for touches. We know he's relatively healthy because of what he did last week. Um, so you know, I, you know, Samuels at sixty three hundred is definitely viable. The problem is it's sort of tough to do when we had him so cheap last week, and you know, we've got a bunch of jam them in guys that we like this week. So you know, I think uh, Samuels is viable at sixty three hundred. I just don't think I'm going to do it because for him to really hit, I think he needs better touchdown equity. Uh, and I do think he'll be in position to score touchdowns if they get there. I don't know how often they're going to get there. Um, okay, so that's that's a complete slate walk for me. Uh, again, in that last game, I think Pitt's defense at 2,600 is viable. And then the Rams coming back at 3K, um, 
you know, going up against Mason Rudolph, certainly they're viable as well. And 3K is probably the outer limits of what I'm going to pay um, this week. Um, so, okay, now I'm just going to sort of um, wrap up my short list and then we're going to get out of here. So, okay, um, we've gone through the slate. Um, I've gone through most of my rationales for how I think these games are going to play out, what I think these players are going to do, which ones I like and why. Um, and I've got a couple minutes left here. So I'm just now I'm just going to really go through very quickly um, and I've reduced this down a little bit, and I'm going to give you, this is like the 25 plays I like the most that I'm most likely to use. This is really just a summation, okay? Um, Montgomery from uh, the Bears game, Lamar uh, Jackson from the Ravens game, um, uh, Titans Kansas City very much on Mahomes, uh, Hill, Travis Kelsey, Damian Williams, uh, Tannehill on the other side in certain scenarios, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry in certain scenarios, Janu Smith, but the big ones there, A.J. Brown and Janu on the Titans side. Um, Falcons versus Saints, it's Ridley and Michael Thomas where most of my attention is being drawn. Jets, Giants on the Giants side, Saquon, Ellison, Golden Tate, and Slayton, all very much in my thoughts. Mostly Crowder on the Jets side. Uh, some Robbie interest, but mostly Crowder. Um, Christian Kirk is the Cardinal I'm focused on this week. And uh, on, the t- on the Tampa side, Winston is one of my quarterbacks. Rojo at 4,300 units. Evans and Godwin, obviously. And then I am going to play a little bit with Fire and O.J. Howard. Um, Devontae Parker is my Dolphin that I'm looking at closely with Gusecki trailing. Uh, and then on the other side, guys, I'm much more interested in. Uh, Pascal, but mostly in this game, it's Mac. That's the guy I really want to get in there. Um, and then Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Samuel, all interesting to me uh, from the Carolina side. Less interested in paying the freight on any of the Packers. Uh, and when it comes to the Rams and Pittsburgh, it's really Jan- Jalen Samuels for me. So that's sort of the the quick run through of the short list. Um, now, obviously, I'm going to be doing a show with Jim Hackett tomorrow morning. Uh, for those of you who are interested in how I evolve <laughs> over the next 12 to 14 hours or whatever it is, uh, feel free to check in on that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I may have some more ideas. Uh, if I have anybody that I'm really taking out of this pool, I'll tweet it tomorrow morning. If I have anybody who I think is important that I'm going to add, I'll tweet it out. Uh, obviously, for any of you who have big questions uh, for your seasonal leagues this week, you can uh, you know tweet them to Jim or I, call into the show, um, and we'll help you out. Uh, and same thing with your DFS. If you've got like this question you just can't quite figure out and you want a second opinion, shoot it to me on Twitter. I'll tell you what I think. Um, but that's going to do it for the Week 10 DFS edition of the Rotobond Podcast. Once again, I'd like to thank all you guys for listening. Um, really, the amount of downloads we've gotten uh, for really what is a startup podcast, um, i got to be honest, it's exceeded um, you know, what I thought. I mean, is it like beyond my wildest dreams? No, i got, I got a pretty big imagination. <laughs> but uh, I, I honestly didn't think I'd be closing in uh, on 10,000 downloads by the end of the season. Um, and it's, it's pretty cool. It's nice to know you guys are out there and that you're listening. Um, and once again, before we close off, uh, for anybody who's got a free moment, rate the pod, give a review. It helps. Uh, but mostly, good luck this week. Um, 
it's not the easiest slate in the world. Uh, you know, if it was, I would have a short list for you, and I'd be really urging you to play the short list. I think this is a week to think about our bankrolls, to think about maybe not overextending, but at the same time, like I said last week, you know, don't 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 chicken shit it either. You know, we, we we've worked hard. We know which plays we like. Let's find a good, cost-effective way to play the things we like to give us the upside that we crave, you know, without putting too much uh, at risk. Uh, I am going to be playing some cash this week. I'll be playing a fair amount of GPPs. Uh, you know, I'm going to be putting about half my bankroll in play, I think. Um, if I had a big week last week, I'd probably put in a little bit more. But, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, things happen. What are you going to do? Um, so onward, upward. Um, trust your gut. Trust your instincts but also trust your preparation. Um, you know, it's we don't want to just play our gut plays. We want our brain to inform our gut so we can trust our gut, right? That's sort of how we want to, you know, we want to get informed and then trust our instincts based on being informed. Uh, anyway, it's time, time to get into lineup construction, so onward and upward. Good luck to all this week. Don't be afraid to hit me up on Twitter, and I'll see you Tuesday with the waiver wire. Giddy up. Mm -hmm.